Welcome to the Phil Nason Show, brought to you by PlayUp Sportsbook. PlayUp welcomes all bettors and offers the best prices on the market. They are also proud to be an official betting partner of the New Jersey Devils. Check them out online or in the App Store and see for yourself why PlayUp is your best bet. You're listening to a pre-recorded edition of the Phil Nason Show. The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play, and please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I am so happy to have you here. Our sole mission is to make you a smarter and more informed sports better. And I've got a great show planned for you today. PlayUp.com, PlayUp Sportsbook presents the Phil Nason Show. Head on over to PlayUp.com, sign up for an account, and find out why PlayUp is always your best bet. And one of our best bets is is on the line. Please welcome Trevor from Big Tasty Sports. What's happening, dude? Man, I'm just excited to talk some NBA with you today. Uh, it's a it's a good day to talk NBA. Oh, yeah. You know what? I got home last night from Vegas, and there was more snow on the ground than I think I've seen in 40 years. Wow. Well, I, of course, I didn't live in an area where there was snow for about 40 years so it is what it is but my word we got basketball to talk about and some fun stuff to do and all these things like there's a lot of yapping going on about the nba rookie of the year what are your thoughts on this rookie of the year you got some t- some guys because the top four are evan mobley and i'm using playup.com ad or odds Evan Mobley, minus 260. He's the overwhelming favorite, by the way. Cade Cunningham from the Pistons is a plus 550 dog. Scotty Barnes from Toronto is a plus 700 dog. And Josh Giddy from the Oklahoma City Blunder, uh, plus 3,000. 3,000 to 1 to win the NBA Rookie of the Year. And what do you say you, sir? Yeah, this is fun to talk about. Let me ask you on PlayUp, do they have odds for Franz Wagner? Uh, yes, they do. Uh, let me, in fact, I'll let me pull that up. I wrote this in my notes. Okay. Um, but I'm pulling that up right now. So you like Wagner, eh? Well, I do. So, I mean, it, it's interesting in this race. I think what you ultimately have is you have one guy – who's on a really good team that's going to make the playoffs and could even do some damage. And that's Evan Mobley. So when I was looking at the numbers that these guys have and just thinking about watching them this year and how they're playing, it actually blows my mind that Evan Mobley is at minus, you said minus 260. I I had a minus 250. So whatever in that, Mm -hmm. in that neighborhood, I think that is, I would not bet those odds no. on him at all. No, that's I mean, not the point. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Yeah, he's a good player for sure. But when you think about that Cleveland team, what really makes them what they are is the play of Darius Garland on the outside. And then Mobley kind of mops up. Like Garland didn't play last night, and Mobley had a pretty terrible game. I, I don't think he's capable of carrying a team. He's a nice ancillary piece. I mean, at this point in his career, I'm not saying ever. 
But then you have guys like Cade Cunningham, who you talked about, Mm -hmm. who didn't play some at the beginning of the year. So he didn't get as much buzz and he had some bad shooting games. But he is really coming around and becoming the leader of that team and actually capable of carrying them. And so I wonder sometimes with the with awards like this, Detroit's not going to make the playoffs. But if you look in their last 10 or 12 games, they actually uh, have been winning more. And he's the reason why. And so I actually like him a lot more, especially at these odds, uh, than I do Evan Mobley. I have a couple others, but what are you thinking about this? Well, the first thing I think about when I talk about prop bets is I'm never going to play a a favorite like a minus anything favorite. If if I'm going to play a prop bet, it's plus money. It's plus 550. It's plus 700. It's plus 1400 for Franz Wagner. It's uh, plus 3,000 for Josh Giddy. I'm not saying I'm playing those guys. Right. But Evan Mobley at minus 260, that's no, that, there's too much risk and very little reward for that. And, and the most important thing with props is, is it's supposed to be kind of like a side thing you do for like a quarter of a unit or 50 cents on a dollar, whatever you do, half a unit, whatever your unit size is. If it's 100 bucks, you might want to throw 50 on it but not on an overwhelming favorite like this because you won't make any money. You, you and, and if you lose, you lose the whole thing. So I have to put up 260 bucks to win 100? Is that what you're telling right. me? How much right. sense does that make? But back to Evan Mobley, I I, I kind of disagree with you a little bit. I I think I know last night was a, a not a very good game, but there was also a stretch there for a couple weeks when Evan Mobley was out and they didn't do as well. I think his his thing is, yes, he feeds off of Darius Garland and what a great year he's having, that kid. But I think Mobley makes a difference on the defensive end. I might be wrong. I've only watched about 30 or their, maybe 35 of their games. But what do you think about the defensive impact that Evan Mobley makes on the floor? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's fair, uh, certainly to bring up the defensive end. Having... Mobley and Allen in the middle definitely creates difficulty for other teams getting in the lane. And so, yeah, that that's a fair point to bring up for sure. Um, I think you have like Scotty Barnes is another person who makes a de- difference on the defensive end, probably mm-hmm. more than Cade does. Um, and so, yeah, I, I like that point. And man, if you've watched 35 games, that's probably more Cavs games than I've watched uh, on the whole. So you, you probably have a better read on, on maybe, that than I do. maybe the whole thing is, is I, I like the Cavs, so I watch them as often as possible. Um, I spent right after I came back from Greece, I spent a couple of years because of the pandemic in the uh, in, in that area in, in the greater Cleveland area. So uh, sadly, I, I I met a lot of fans from Cleveland, or happily I should say, but I like to wind them up, you know, and like with their Cleveland Browns team, I like to wind them up. But uh, one of the things that I look for, like in a rookie of the year, though, is is what happens to this team. How far can this team go? Can this of the four teams we've mentioned, Toronto and Cleveland are probably the only two who have a shot at the playoffs. The Pistons are really bad. Yep. Um, Oklahoma City is probably worse. But these two kids are playing great. You know, they're playing great basketball. And so I, I don't know how they're going to vote. And we also have to get into the mind of the sports writers. Do they value victories in playoffs or do they value points 
and, and highlight reels because Cade Cunningham has a nice highlight reel. Uh, Josh Giddy has a nice highlight reel. So does Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley. But without, let's say, without Scotty Barnes, where does Toronto go this year? I mean, so so I think that's a good question of how these teams are without these players. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Detroit suffers the most mm-hmm. if they lose their player. Yes. Like, I think Cleveland's okay without Mobley. I think Toronto's okay without Barnes. Detroit is already bad, but they're horrendous without Cunningham, um, in my opinion. Your opinion is correct. I, I, I agree with it. You're usually spot on, so why would I disagree? But uh, – that's kind of what I would be looking at. If I had a vote in this, I would probably choose Evan Mobley only because of the impact that his impact on the floor has helped Cleveland as to get to the number four seed. I don't think they get to the number four seed without him. Now, at the beginning of the season, they didn't use that triple tower thing they do with marketing and, uh, Jared Allen, who's probably the most underrated center in the NBA, and Evan Mobley. That's that's three seven-footers, right? But uh, you take Mobley away, are the Cavs a four-seed still? Or whatever they are? I think they're close. Okay, okay. I mean, maybe not quite there. Maybe, you know, maybe a few more games back, but I think they're close. I think if they lose Allen and Mobley, I think they can lose either of them and hang in there. But if they lose both of them, they're in trouble. Now, the other that's a good point. Now, the other thing you want to think about with these rookies, especially on these sorry teams like Cleveland, or I'm sorry, like like Cleveland, like <laughs> Oklahoma City and Pitt and Detroit, are they going to shut these kids down at some point? Will that make a difference to the voter? You know, so I suppose yep. if I were going to throw a couple shekels down on anything, I probably would throw it on Cade Cunningham. Yeah, so I I agree with you. And then I have one long shot that I wouldn't even put a quarter unit on. Okay. But I think is worth considering. Because one of the things you have to think about here, too, is that the NBA, it's a long season. There are injuries. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to momentum, too. So who's playing best after the All-Star break toward the end of the year? And one guy who's really been stepping up is Io Desunmu on the, on the Bulls. Oh, yeah. I saw him at plus 6,600. He's averaging 7.6 points. 2.7 assist or rebounds and 2.2 assists a game. And he hasn't been getting many minutes until recently. If the bulls continue to have injuries and they're a team that's going to the playoffs for sure. I think he could continue to improve and take on a larger and larger role with this team where I don't expect him to win it, but at plus 6,600, that would be, it would be Cade Cunningham for me. And then maybe a tiny bit on IO. Well, he's uh, plus seventy five hundred over at PlayUp today. Awesome, and, and that's not a bad call either. You know, there's another kid who has a good shot at things. So basically, my pick for Rookie of the Year right now is Evan Mobley, and you won't make any money off that. But let's carry this on to the entire season and forecast into the future. And the one guy on this list that gets better and better every night, it looks like, is Cade Cunningham because I've seen almost every Pistons game. So uh, I would say they are day and night difference. And here's another thing. Because I've been watching the Detroit Pistons for about 52 years, uh, when George Blaha, their announcer, starts using the player's first name, it means something. It's not hype. 
George mm. Blaha has been announcing games for 45 years, 50 years probably. So when he says things like Cade, he doesn't even say Cunningham. He just says Cade, Cade, Cade did this, Cade did that. You know, that has to mean something too. And I think that's going to mean a lot to the voters. I don't have a vote. And if I did, you know where I would go. But Cade Cunningham is where I put my money. I'm I'm with you. And, and actually, I'm looking at this list in front of me. And, you know, I think back to players like Trey Young in the past or people who can kind of take over games and get a lot of attention on them. Mm-hmm. And I think there's one name on this list that has the ability to do that, whether he does it or not. Can this I guess? Year. Yeah, guess. Jalen Green. Oh, no, I think it's Cade Cunningham. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, that's, I'm just going back to that of saying, like, I think I think Jalen Green's going to be a work in progress for a while. But, I like, I think Cade Cunningham's the one who could differentiate himself by the end of the season, potentially. Okay. So I, I'm with you thinking that's the best bet on Rookie of the Year right now. Chris Duarte is also another one you can keep an eye on because he's starting to get a few more minutes. And that, that's another thing. You want to keep track of their minutes. If they're not playing 20 minutes a night, they're not going to win the rookie of the year. That's right. And, and that's something that you have to pay attention. And that's fun. That's a fun way to start. Now we used to do this segment on this show, Trevor called coaches on the hot seat. And we used to have a good time with it. And we were usually pretty accurate, but we're going to shift from that since this is a sports betting show now. And instead, I want to talk a little bit about the NBA coach of the year odds and the top names. And let's see who, who we would put our shekels on. Monty Williams is the favorite at plus 150. J.B. Bickerstaff from Cleveland is a plus 325. Billy Donovan at 650. And Taylor Jenkins at 650. And uh, who else was the one I was going to... Oh, and Eric Spolstra and Steve Kerr are both plus 850. Now, if you were going to pick this in, in terms of the media... Who would you take as the NBA coach of the year? Yeah, when I think about coach of the year, I think about which are the teams that have exceeded my expectations and also which are the ones who have weathered difficulty through the course of the year because I think those things speak to coaching. Mm-hmm. And it obviously, I mean, all, pretty much all these on the list are. It needs to be a good team. Obviously, you know, we're not going to pick like the Orlando Magic. Right. And so – So I won't go through all of them, but just to highlight a few, when I think of the Suns, I think they're kind of doing what I expected. I mean, maybe a little bit better, but they were really good last year and they're really good again this year. So um, I do think J.B. Bickerstaff with the Cavs, man, the Cavs are far exceeding what people expected and they're having to weather adversity. So I think that's a great place to look. Uh, I think the Heat have had to do that as well. They've had so many injuries. The fact that they're near the top of the Eastern Conference still is incredible to me. And then the other one that I'd throw out there, because the odds are so long, is Steve Nash with the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, think of all the drama they've had and all the injuries, yet they're still in the mix and if they can finish the season stronger than they have to this point, um, I don't know what you have him as, but I saw him at plus 5,000, which seems crazy to me uh, that he's that much of a long shot. So those are some of the places I would look. Yeah, that's plus 4,000. It's kind of like a universal. They don't have the coach of the year odds up at playup, so I'm using VegasInsider.com's little article. Uh, VI News published it. And I'm using that. You know, I agree with you. Monty Williams, no. It's the same team. 
What what did they add different from last year? Zero. Nothing. Nothing. So forget about you, Monty. I'm really happy that you (laughs) rebounded from personal tragedy. And and I'm really happy for your success. What a great human being he is. However, you ain't the coach of the year. If you are, it's rigged. Because that ain't what this award is supposed to be. Billy Donovan in Chicago? No thanks. You know what? That's team supposed to be that way. I mean, look at the pieces they added in the offseason. If they didn't do this good, this well, then you know what? He should be fired. You know, that's one of those things that should happen. Taylor Jenkins, the Memphis Grizzlies haven't exceeded my expectations. They, play, they played well, and they're doing terrific, but I, I honestly thought they might even be better than what they are. Um, let me see who else. Oh, you mentioned Steve Nash. You know something, Steve Nash is probably not the coach, actually. But he's the one who's going to pick up the award. See, this is how I used to do my show, Trevor. Um, and it, it was fun to just hoot on some of these things. But uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, Steve Nash isn't really the coach. If you look in there, and, and this is something that I can glean, I've can i gleaned from 38 years of coaching athletes and, and several years coaching professional athletes in the sport of tennis. And that is this. If I speak to my student and he or she is not looking back, that means they're not paying attention and that means I've lost them. If you ever go and watch an NBA game and you know, try not to use the remote control during a timeout, and if they show that timeout, watch the players on the bench. When the Brooklyn Nets have a timeout, they're not looking at Steve Nash or anybody else on that thing. They're looking in the stands or at the scoreboard or wherever. So I can't give Steve Nash a vote. I would love to because of all the garbage. Anyone who has to put up with Kyrie Irving for more than five minutes deserves my highest praise. But that being said, he's, I'm not putting any shekels down on, on, on him being the uh, coach of the year. And that brings me to the guy that I think is, and that's J.B. Bickerstaff. Because you, I don't care what publication you read, they were at or near the bottom. In fact, people were questioning him to even be hired as the coach, if you remember. And those kids have bought in, and more importantly, Kevin Love bought in. Remember all the talk about Kevin Love getting traded and all this and that? Of all those players that came to Cleveland when LeBron returned for this, when LeBron returned for his second stint, Kevin Love's the only one still there. And he's a sixth man. And he's crushing it. And the reason, because J.B. Bickerstaff convinced him to do that, that it would be in his best interest and he could retire as a Cleveland Cavalier. So my money's on J.B. to win this whole shooting match. Plus 325 is good odds for this. It must be because Vegas or whoever's betting these games figure or betting this odd or this prop or whatever you want to call it, they all like it too. So I, I would put my shekels on Bickerstaff. What do you think of that? Uh, I'm right there with you. You had the mute if button I'm, on because you were laughing so hard. I know. And, <laughs> no, no, I no, used to kill people on this show. But honestly, the reality is that's the way you have to look at these teams if you're going to bet on them. Because if you don't, you're going to lose your hard-earned money. If you start looking at them as, as like uh, from a fan standpoint, you're going to get hurt in the end. But J.B. Bickerstaff is my guy, dude. I think he's doing great, man. I'm still stunned that Memphis let him go, to be honest with you. Yeah, I he's doing phenomenal. Honestly, I think the, <laughs> the hardest thing, to, I mean, in a way, you almost can't handicap is 
if if you think through these different teams and if they get injuries down the stretch, what does that do to them? But you all you just can't plan on that because I think that's the the Cavs have been, you know, losing Rick, Ricky Rubio was a big deal, and if they lost any more, that would be tough. But I agree that he's done the best job of anybody on the list at this point. He lost his starting backcourt because uh, Colin Sexton got hurt in Game One, right? Yes, right. Yep. Yep, he got hurt, and and that kid they were counting on, and you know something, they were right to count on him. Now they found out they don't need him. That's right. That's a great luxury to have, by the way, because you can get something for Colin Sexton because he was balling until he got hurt. So that's the, that's that's our NBA Rookie of the Year and NBA Head Coach of the Year uh, conversation. Maybe Trevor and I will revisit this one in a few weeks. Now this is the fun. This is where it's going to get fun, man. We've got these conferences, and, and, you know, the participation medal crowd has won, and now we've got six seeds for sure. And then you got four teams that are going to play in for the last two seeds. So you see they're including two more teams. I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit about these teams and try to help folks who are looking to make future bets based on winning divisions and winning uh, conferences and what have you. And, and I thought we would look at these four bubble teams, if you were, or if you will, and see what you think about these. What about now Charlotte? For <laughs> I can't believe that the Charlotte Hornets are the seventh seed in the East. I thought that they would be ahead of, like, say, Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Man, I think Charlotte's super disappointing. They've had some great runs, but I don't like what I see in terms of uh, their their fortitude almost. I mean, they fall apart in games way too often. They have this potent offense, but lately they're scoring under 110 points most games. They lose to bad teams. Once in a while, they'll beat a good team because I do think the talent's there for them to be able to do it. But they're not a team that I have a lot of faith in right now. <laughs> I have none. All right. You know why? Because of uh, LaMelo Ball. I don't trust that kid. You know, I think what happens is, is is people found out what he's all about in the league, and, and he goes and gets his. But I think it's a fan. I think it's one of those family traits. It's hereditary. It's hereditary, because all the brothers are chokers when it really counts. And that goes right down to the main choker of them all, LeVar Ball. And he was a choker in college. He was a cho- he even chokes when he talks smack. That's how bad he is. And I think that that's trickled down. I think losing Gordon Hayward for whatever time he's gone for is going to hurt because he's the only one on the floor that seems to be able to really lead. But they're a mess. I mean, think about this. When you're 14 and 15 on the road and you've got a roster like they have and you're getting outscored, you know, that's never a good thing. And I just don't trust that team. But I, I, that being said, I don't see how they fall out of the top 10. But I don't see how they move ahead. Do you see them falling out of the top 10? Um, Probably not. I do think that I think it's possible Toronto, Boston and Atlanta all pass them. Um, I mean, we'll see with an, we'll see with Atlanta. So then you're talking about the Knicks or Washington, right? And I I still think it is possible for the Knicks to go on a run and get in the conversation. I don't think Washington will, but man, I mean, I can't have any confidence in the Knicks though. So 
If I had to bet, yes, I would say they stay in the top 10. 52-year Knicks fan here. So what do you think? I agree with you. I don't let them suck me in. I I stopped letting them suck me in in about 1975, 76. I just enjoy them, okay? But as far as them catching anybody, no, because Julius Randle played over his head last year, and and it's just not going to happen. It's not happening for them this year. You know, Thibodeau is, is like an acquired taste from a player standpoint because he pushes them hard. And do you remember last year when they were talking about how, oh, right after the games we go practice? You don't hear them talk like that now, do you? Cause they're, you do not. They're worn out from Tibbs because Tibbs wears them out. I mean, he really wears them out. That's why Chicago had all those issues. That's why kids on that team, that Chicago Bulls team, you know, didn't end their careers very well. All of them hurt. And there's a reason for that, because they get burned out. You can't do that to NBA players. But I think Charlotte stays in. I don't think the Wizards catch in any fire there. But what I think, though, is if you're going to overcome a team or two here, in the top six, I think Cleveland is susceptible because, you know, they really are playing over their heads. And even though they've been well coached, how much longer can they keep this up, you know, it's 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 not realistic, but maybe they fall out of the top six and get replaced by who? Who replaces if if one if let's say for example Cleveland falls out of the top six, we already ruled out the Hornets. Who gets that seed then? Who gets in there? Would it be Toronto, Boston, or Atlanta? Because Atlanta was playing pretty well. They lost the other night, but uh, who do you like out of those three to? Maybe get a jump into the top six. Yeah, I if I have to pick one, I think I would say Boston. Uh, Atlanta would be my second. I think Nurse is like Thibodeau where he just runs those starters way too much. And I think that's going to wear on them over the course of the season, especially rookies like Scotty Barnes. And so I don't see Toronto working their way. And, and actually, I think Toronto had a really good run after Christmas. I don't think they're actually a great that great of a team. I think Boston and Atlanta can both be better than they are. So if I have to pick one, I'd pick Boston to make the jump. That that's a good call. You know, I I think it's going to be Atlanta actually. I think Atlanta's going to catch surprise a few teams now. Okay, they lost the other night, but they did get hot. They won what, five straight? And and the reality is is that's not a bad team. They were the Eastern Conference finalists last year. This is the same team running back. Okay, they just dropped Cam Reddish, and now Kevin Knox has a new bench to to occupy, and that's a beautiful thing for him, you know, because picking up checks in the NBA, no matter if you're the last guy on the bench, is a good thing. But I like this Atlanta team. I, I never was a fan of Trey Young, but I, I started to become one. But in order for them to do that, they're going to have to make one more move. And I think it's going to be John Collins getting traded. If if the Atlanta Hawks bring in Ben, find some way to manage this and to trade for Ben Simmons, the Atlanta Hawks will be the top in the top six because what they really lack is perimeter defense to make up for the fact that Trey Young it just isn't big enough to guard anybody in the NBA. But if they got somebody like that, Trevor, they would be pretty good. I like Boston too, though. I I think that they're decent. I haven't admittedly watched as many games as, say, 
I have of Cleveland or Detroit, you know, because I like lousy basketball, apparently. But uh, at the end of the day, I think that this Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I think they've got problems. I don't think they coexist well together. I could be wrong. What do you think about those two? Yeah, well, let me say first, man, I'm with you. If Atlanta found a way to get Ben Simmons, like you hit the nail right on the head. The reason I'd pick Boston over Atlanta is I believe that Boston is a good defensive team Mm -hmm. and that they have potential on offense, where I think Atlanta's a really good offensive team, but they have serious problems on defense that I don't think they can fix without a trade. So that's why I would say with the rosters as they currently stand, it's harder for me to pick Atlanta because I think they're going to be you know, just trying to outscore the other team every night. I mean, they all try to do that, right? But just the defense won't be great. Um, I do think Boston is offensively challenged, and you see that if you go back and look at their scores throughout the season. How many times are they falling short of 100 points even? And it's because Brown and Tatum, well, number one, they don't always work well together, but also Tatum especially has had a pretty horrendous year shooting the ball. And so I think if there is positive regression for him, Boston could turn things around offensively a little bit. And they're actually playing really well defensively. That's why I like them. I like that call. You know what the problem with you know what the problem with this Tatum kid and his scoring? It's really hard to score and shoot a basketball from anywhere on the court when you're shrugging your shoulders as much as he does. <laughs> yeah, it is. I've never seen I've never seen anyone whine with body language more than Jason Tatum. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's I haven't ever seen anyone whine that much without saying a word. And his body language is horrific. I, I would love to get him on a tennis court and watch him shrug his shoulders while I knock his lazy ass through the backdrop. But at yeah. that point, it is interesting. I don't know about Toronto, though, here. The one thing, I'm not a fan of Nick Nurse at all. I think he got very lucky with Kawhi Leonard. I think he's uh, the chickens have come to roost now. And we're finding out that maybe the players really haven't bought in with what he's selling. But of these four bubble teams, they have this third highest point differential. Boston has a plus three, four point differential, plus 3.4. That's a good deal right there. That's like fourth in the East. So that was a great call. But what about Toronto? Do you think Toronto can like maybe jump over Brooklyn? Well, you probably need to talk some sense into me because I'll be honest, I am not a fan of Toronto really at all. No, and for me, it's been, more, it's been more watching their games. I, I hate the way they play. They play so slow when their team is comprised of these athletic, big, like three, four type players where they should be able to push and run the floor. And they slow it down as one of the slowest teams in the league. And they end up relying tremendously on Fred Van Vliet hitting four, five, six plus threes in order for them to hang in there in terms of their scoring. So I, I just am not a fan of Toronto from from watching how they play and, again, the amount of miles that are being put on the starters and how that's going to hurt them in the long run in this season, I think. But talk me out of it, though. Oh, I can't because, you know what, the chickens have come home to roost. Uh, you know, it's it's easy to get a job when you stab your boss in the back, and, and that's exactly what Nick Nurse did to Dwayne Chaney and, and, or Dwayne Casey, and, and that was just wrong what he did, you know, and he might have won a championship, and good for him, but the only reason he won 
is because Kawhi, they traded for Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard hightailed it out of there as quickly as he could. You know, most guys, when they win, they want to, you know, defend that title, run it back, if you will. But he ran out of town. That's to tell you all you need to know. I'm with you on Toronto. I wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me at all. And, and who's that wannabe rapper? What's his name? Drake? Oh, Drake. The yeah. guy that stands on the sideline and thinks he's playing and he's talking crap to players. There's another one. It's the whole thing. It's just an off-putting thing. It's like wannabe world up there. You know what? They can keep their action up there. I think and hope that uh, Toronto doesn't even make the top 10. <laughs> it wouldn't bother me at all. I mean, it wouldn't bother me. So there you go. I like the I like the Atlanta Hawks to come through out of there and maybe you know supplant one of these top six. And Trevor likes the Boston Celtics, and he's probably going to be right. But there's your Eastern Conference, so there's your way to bet on your futures right there, kids. Now the Western Conference. Now this is where it gets fun. <laughs> because if you would have told me that the Minnesota Timberwolves were even in contention for anything other than uh, sweeping up the basement floor, I would have to say that you were crazy. But they're the seventh seed currently. The L.A. Clippers, the A seed. Lakers, the ninth seed, and Portland, the tenth seed. Now, of those four teams, Trevor, which one falls? Because you know you could probably make a case for three, all four of them falling. That's out of right. <laughs> well, I won't make a case for Minnesota. I will say we'll have to talk about them. But okay, yeah, the others. I mean, I think the Lakers will end up being okay as long as LeBron's injury is not long term. And by okay, I mean I think they'll have a chance to get to six, but at least stay in this top 10. The Clippers in Portland, I think, I mean, they'd be in big trouble. The question is who supplants them if they fall out. I do think the Spurs and Pelicans are both, I mean, I wouldn't say that the Spurs or Pelicans right now are a worse team than Portland. So Portland would be the one that I would identify first. Yeah, they're in big trouble. I I expect a big trade. At the deadline, you know, Neil O'Shea wouldn't do it. Eh, I could go on and on about him, but but he's out of the NBA now, so he's out of our conversation. Um, Clippers, come on, stop. Really? Kawhi Leonard's not coming back this year. You know, he, he doesn't care. He hasn't cared in a long time, and that's obvious. Uh, you know, uh, and Paul George, he's still out, right? Yeah, he's still out. No, no timetable for sure on him to come back with that elbow injury. And would you would you want to come back without Kawhi on the floor? <laughs> no, not really. Especially not when really. you're the he, he's the only reason you went to the Clippers. Yep. But even then, Paul George isn't going to lead anyone anywhere except to the unemployment line. He's pretty good at that. Ask the Oklahoma City Thunder about that. Um, the Lakers, though, you know they are loaded, like top heavy loaded. But you can see, like. General manager LeBron James didn't really build a very good team there in L.A. Kind of like he didn't build a very good team in Cleveland, to be honest. And I think maybe general manager LeBron should just become player LeBron and leave the general managing alone because you tore up your team with some dumb stuff. I mean, you look around the league and you see guys that they traded and got nothing for are doing pretty well. I think it might be the fact that they're away from him. But at the end of the day, you got a Lakers team that's three and seven over their last ten games. They've lost three straight. Who knows what LeBron's thinking? But they're not the worst team of these four. And the Timberwolves, 
Come on, really? Carl Anthony Towns is the seventh. He's led his team to the seventh seed. Is that a typo? No way, man. In fact, Ooh. I think it's possible they move up. Really? Yep. Who who drops? Oh well, you know what? Dallas could drop. Yep. Let me. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. Fire away. You make a case for the Minnesota Timberwolves. All right. So <laughs> you've been waiting to do this all day. I know. <laughs> kind of. So I do have to say up front, I'm a Timberwolves fan. Mm-hmm. But actually, what that means is I tend to not believe in them <laughs> because I'm a Timberwolves fan. Right. And I've seen them have talent and fall apart and be a mess over and over. This year, it feels different. Um, it feels like Carl Anthony Towns got a lot more serious in the offseason, and, and some of that came out with the shape he was in and stuff. I think he's providing more real leadership to that team. I think Anthony Edwards is a legitimate all-star caliber wing player yes. who's only getting better and better every game, and he doesn't need to be the leader because I don't think he'd be a good leader, but he doesn't need to be. D'Angelo Russell, who's been a mess over a lot of his career, I've been banging this drum on – things I've been talking about for probably a month now, when he plays, the Timberwolves are good, like legitimately good. When he doesn't play, they struggle a little bit more. And Anthony Edwards actually came out and highlighted some of why, because he said he doesn't like to handle the ball and initiate the offense. And when Russell's out, he has to do that some. And then they have some decent secondary pieces around those guys too. They have people who can play good defense on the wing, which they haven't had. Um, they're turning other teams over a lot. I just think this is a team that has significant upside from where they are already. Uh, and so I'm not saying they will move up, but this is a team that I think can legitimately make some noise. You know what? You're probably right. I have uh, always been a D'Angelo Russell fan, though. I thought he got a bad rap in L.A. You know, he was a rookie, a dumb kid. But this year, I watched. The, I do watch the Timberwolves. My boy Flip put a guy, put was a big time star in that that community. You know, Flip Saunders was fantastic for them. And I don't mean to throw shade at the Timberwolves, even though you're a fan. Usually, if I knew that beforehand, I would have probably loaded the gun more. <laughs> but but you know what? The problem I have is that you might be right that Carl Anthony Towns looks good, and he does. He looks focused. He does. How long is that going to last, though? He needs to do that for an entire season before I'll believe him. Because, you know, every year he has a different excuse. And I wonder what it'll be this year if they collapse. But you know what? They might not, too. And D'Angelo Russell is probably one of the, I mean, he could be the comeback player of the year. I mean, he's really had a good year, right? And this Anthony Edwards is a nice player. And young, too. They get a lot of good young talent who just amscray with the first chance they get. We'll have to wait and see. I, I, I think they could. I, I don't think they're going to fall out of the playoff picture now. You've convinced me. But to be honest, remember how they used to talk about the West to kill the East? Well, those lotter, all those years of uh, mediocrity has caught up to them, the East, and now they got all those uh, draft picks, and they're doing pretty well, huh? They are. This is going to be fun, the playoffs. But uh, if I were going to bet on one of these four teams reaching the top six, because I don't have any belief at all in Dallas and Denver, they kind of look a little shaky at times. I'm waiting for the Grizzlies to kind of take a step backwards, but I don't know if they're going to. 
I think Minnesota could end up one of the top six seeds then. I hope so. Let's say that. <laughs> if they do, we'll dedicate the full podcast to the Minnesota Timberwolves. How's that oh, I sound? can't wait for that one. That sounds fantastic. We can't talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder because the blunder will never have a team that's any good again because Sam Presti doesn't know what he's doing. He's another general manager who should be fired. But that's neither here nor there. So we've got a couple games for tonight. I hope I didn't alienate anybody listening. But this is how I used to do radio. This is the uh, jet lag version today. So we've got these great games tonight. Really great games. Because, you know, who? this is must-see TV when the New Orleans Pelicans and Detroit Pistons play, right? Oh, must-see. Absolutely. Must-see. I'll be watching for sure because I've been a Pistons fan for too long. So anyhow, the Pistons are currently a one-and-a-half-point home favorite. And the total is 214.5. Now, that might have moved up to two points. I'm not sure. But when I was doing my notes this morning, it was one and a half. What do you like about this game? Because it's time for us to put together a heck of a winning streak starting today. It is time for that. Well, I want to start off by saying I don't necessarily like tons about this game. It's a... It's an interesting one because the Pistons have been playing better overall. Uh, they, they've been pretty respectable here lately, while New Orleans, you know, probably two weeks ago, they were on a little run and were looking pretty good, and now they've just fallen apart. But some of that is because Ingram has now been out for a while, and it sounds like he's going to continue to be out. Valanciunas has been out a couple games. Josh Hart was out a couple of games. And this isn't a team that can withstand missing many players. Uh, and I think the Pistons are the same. So... The the couple things that I'm looking at in this game, one is that Jeremy Grant is supposed to be back tonight, mm -hmm. which is a great thing for the Pistons. However, when a player comes back off of a long, long break from injury or something, I think it can take a couple because Detroit's continued to evolve without him. And Cade Cunningham has really taken this lead role. And so I think it could take them a few games to figure out how they play well together. And he could be on a minutes restriction, too. You saw this when Clay Thompson came back. The Warriors had a rough first four or five games reincorporating him. Um, and on the other side, I think one of Detroit's weaknesses is that interior defense with Isaiah Stewart. And so if Jonas Valanciunas is playing tonight, I think this is a good spot for him potentially uh, to be, especially if he is willing to post up and play inside. So I, I am leaning toward New Orleans here. I know you're going to force me to make a pick, and this is one I've really been wrestling with. Um, I also think that I like the over in this game, actually. Um, Detroit's been playing well at home and scoring well at home. And I think the Pelicans, after a rough night in Cleveland yesterday and what is a much worse matchup for them, come out and play better offensively in this game. So I think I would lean toward the over as my best pick in this game. Okay, that sounds great. You know what? Um, I'm going to give them a couple statistics here just so the listener can make a very informed decision and not just – ride with the picks I'm, we're about to make. And also, you can track all our picks at betstamp.app. Don't forget that. All our picks. Now, of course, you have to pay if you want to see them before the game. Otherwise, listen to the show. You know, I need you to listen to the show or pay me. Either way. And you can do all that over at betstamp.app. But, you know, the Pistons, they're 5-1 and one against the spread over their last six games. They're 6-1 and one against the spread over their last seven at home. 
They're two and one this season against the spread as a favorite, and they are six four and zero against the spread over the last ten games. And what they've done over their last five games is allow 112 points per game. So the defense is getting a little better, bro. And they are scoring just over 107 points per game over their last five. Now we'll flip over to the Pels. They're 5-4-1 against the spread over the last 10. They're allowing 109 points per game over their last five. And they're scoring 103 points over their last five. So they're scoring, right? And they're playing defense, right? But Brandon Ingram's out. And I'm not buying Jonas Valley and Sunias. He can do whatever he likes. But to make it simple for you all, I'm going to join Trevor with the over in this game. Because these two teams don't play defense at all. I mean at all. And I'm also going to give you two more picks just because I'm a nice guy. And that is this. I'm going to give you the Pistons tonight, minus two. And then I'm also going to give you the Pistons on the money line tonight at minus 121. That's a pretty good price for the Pistons in this spot or anybody against the Pelicans in this spot. So we'll go with the over because Trevor's usually right. And then I went out on a limb and I'll take the Pistons minus 121 and Pistons minus two points or one and a half, whatever you get. No more than that, though. No more than two, kids. Where do you go? That's I like not the, it. Yeah, we'll I see like what it. happens. You know what? We'll see what happens now. Again, the jet-lagged edition. So, you know, full disclosure. <laughs> anyway, we've got one more game tonight. The Brooklyn Nets take on the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix is a seven-and-a-half-point home favorite. The total is 227. And I got to say this before we get into this. That was a really good call on the Brooklyn Nets covering against Golden State that you made. Yeah, we got that one. Thankfully, you got that one over on Twitter. <laughs> I saw that Sunday and and I thought, wow, that's not a bad thing. So like a good guy, I tailed you and uh, I, I, I cast a ticket. I'm, th- I'm happy. I'm glad I was going to go the other way because I'm not a Brooklyn Nets fan at all, you know, um, but go ahead. What do you like about this one? Because this has all the makings for a blowout. Maybe. Uh, so this there we is, go to, to say up front, I'm not a Brooklyn Nets fan either. No. Uh, I, they're, they're not a team that I cheer for. However, um, in this spot, they, they are a different, it, some of it depends on if James Harden plays or not. He's a game time decision right now with the, the hand issue, but he, he went through practice, I think yesterday. And so if he's able to play, I'm, I'm interested in the Nets here, but that's not the best bet that I have. Um, what I'm looking at here is the totals. Mm-hmm. So the over is nine and two in the last 11 meetings in Phoenix between these two teams. But you know me, uh, I like the trends, but I also like to get into the data. So since Kyrie came back, the Nets haven't scored less than 110 points in two straight games. Um, they scored 106 in their last game. Now that's a small sample. But they've been bouncing back every time that they score under 110 and then going over 110 uh, in the next game. So I like the Nets to score here tonight. Also, though, their defense hasn't been great. They've allowed 110 points or more in all but one of their ro- their games since Kyrie came back. All, all on the road because that's the only time Kyrie plays, right? Right, right, right. right. So, um, now Phoenix has scored 113 points or more in their last four home games. So they've been scoring well. 
But here's the thing for me is Brooklyn's offensive rating on the road in January is 120.1, which is just sky high, only 111.3 at home. So they're just a significantly better offensive team on the road. Defensively, probably not so much. So for me, the the two things that I would go between here, and it might depend on which one you get a better number on, is Brooklyn's team total over. That was one that I already took at 111.5 minus 105. Um, and then I l- like the, the game over here as well. I think this ends up being a pretty high-scoring game uh, between these two teams, and we'll see how close the spread ends up being. I would lean actually toward the, the Nets to cover the spread, but that's not one of the key bets that I'm taking. Okay. That's how, that's that's fair. So um I'm not going to lean this one. Um the Nets the Nets over 111 and a half points. That that wasn't a lean, right? For team total? No, that's that's a that's a bet I've made. Yep. Okay, good cuz we're going to track that at BetStamp. Yep, cuz we like to do those things. Now, the I, the only thing that didn't this game open at 224 and a half? I saw it at two twenty five and a half, but it might have been two twenty four and a half. Well, whatever it was, now it's two twenty seven and still rising. Yep. I would have probably played the under at two twenty four and a half or two twenty five and a half, but now for sure I'm going to play the under at under two twenty seven. Mm-hmm. And and here's why: because Phoenix over their last eight game or five games are allowing one hundred and eight points per game. I know the whole thing with Kyrie. That's a great stat, by the way. He does bounce back because, you know what, when you're a part-time player, that's what you do. I mean, and even if it weren't for coronavirus, Kyrie Irving would be a part-time player. He's been a part-time player his entire career, dating back to high school. Go look it up. The end of the day, though, I just don't have the same confidence in this offense that you do. Harden's missed a couple games, correct? And I think he's going to miss tonight, too. I, I don't know that for sure. Because I we don't know. They haven't even done the shoot-around yet out in Phoenix. But there's also this thing that's underlying there is that James Harden doesn't want to be in Brooklyn. And one of the reasons he doesn't want to be in Brooklyn is because of Kyrie Irving and his part-time Cavalier attitude. Did you see what I did there? I um, did. <laughs> um, so at the end of the day, the jet lag is starting to wear off, Trevor. Um, I like... I like a couple of picks here. If the Nets are going to win, it's going to be because Phoenix had an off night. I mean, they've scored 116 points per game over their last five. And like Trevor said, Brooklyn hasn't exactly lit the world on fire defensively. And when you put out Kyrie Irving and you put out James Harden on the same floor, or just Kyrie Irving and any four guys, they're going to be automatically 10 points worse because he does not play defense. Kyrie Irving refuses it because his daddy told him you don't get in a newspaper by playing defense. But that being said, I'm going to take the Nets tonight at plus seven and a half because that team finds a way to cover, man. They are 17 and seven overall on the road and they're 14, 10 and 0 against the spread as the away team. And I think with Kyrie Irving, they're like 70% success rate on the road, something like that. That's not too shabby. The other thing is, is the Phoenix Suns have a 10-game winning streak. Winning streaks are meant to be broken. The other thing I have here is this. The Phoenix Suns, they're usually overwhelming favorites at home and don't cover as often as you think. Like they're 12-14-0 against the spread as the home team this season. That's not good either. And Brooklyn, 
Ugh. I, it pains me to say this, but I have to take the Nets plus seven and a half. I'm going to take the under 227, and I'm going to agree with you on the Nets game. How does that sound? Sounds good, man. I'll probably be joining you on the Nets because that's the way I'm headed to. So I'll probably jump on that one with you. Plus, I hate the Nets. And when I see all the time how they cover on the road, and, and, and it, it's I don't believe it. Because without Kevin Durant, they should really be garbage. But they seem to pick it up. Now, there's also a, LaMarcus Aldridge is listed as questionable. If he's out tonight, that's going to hurt them a bit. Because he does put some, he has some uh, lead in his backside, and he puts people on the ground at times, and I like that. But great stuff, man! It's so good to have you on this show. I'm so lucky that I found you on Twitter, and tell everyone where to find you. Tell everyone about the podcast, and I'm going to be a guest towards the end of the week. Well, I shouldn't have said that; they might avoid you now. No, they absolutely won't. I'm excited to have you on uh, coming Saturday. So, yeah, man, I just have to say this is always so fun for me. I appreciate getting to have these conversations. And one of the things I like most today is we actually disagreed on a couple things. That was the first time. So that was fun. Oh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I do a podcast and it's on a YouTube stream as well called The Breakdown, where we just walk through the NBA slate a game at a time, looking at data and trends, really trying to give people the information to make the best picks that they can. And we share picks on there as well, but want to give people information. So you can, if you go on Twitter uh, at NBA attack in my profile is the link for all of that stuff. And the, the podcast has been off for about a week or week and a half, but we are picking it back up starting tomorrow. And I'm actually going to have a great guest each of the next four days. So we'd love to have people check that out. Well, three out of four, because you got the guy on Saturday. I got the best for last, man. The the, right. the best on Saturday. <laughs> I appreciate that. And that's going to wrap it up for today's show. I want to thank Trevor for always bringing the heat. If you want to follow somebody who actually cares about the people that he's helping out, he's the guy. Because he cares. He answers questions. He He's kind to everyone. And more importantly, he does a lot of homework. I mean, look at what he brought today. And that's just a small sample of what he brings every single day. So follow him over on Twitter at NBA TAC. That's M-B-A-T-T-A-C-K. And that's going to wrap it up for today's show. PlayUp.com. PlayUp Sportsbook is your one-stop shop for all your sports betting needs. Head on over to PlayUp. Sign up for an account and find out why. PlayUp is always your best bet. All picks made on the Phil Nation Show are tracked at betstamp.app. Head on over there, follow us, and see how we do. Make sure what you heard is what we picked, because a lot of guys won't do that. And also, the last thing I'll mention is the Wolfline Sports Trading Newsletter is now premium. In order to receive that newsletter, you will pay us $49.99. You can sign up either at cashwithflash.com or at betstamp.app. Until next time, you all take care of yourselves. Be good, and most importantly... Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you. Thanks for listening to The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page.